Well, hey there. Welcome to this episode of Uncommon Conversations, where we talk to community leaders about how they build and support their communities to deepen relationships, build better products, and drive business impact. I'm Rebecca, the head of Common Room's Uncommon Community, and I'm super glad you're here. Learn more about the Uncommon Community at commonroom.io slash uncommon, or accept this cordial invitation to join me and more than 1,000 other community builders in the Uncommon Community Slack. And if you're looking for the best way to help activate and grow your community, get started with Common Room for free today at commonroom.io. I'll see you on the other side. Hello, world. I'm Josh. I am the head of global engagement marketing community plus lifecycle at Asana. I've been at Asana about three years. Prior to that, I led community at Evernote, where I was there for quite a long time. I'm based in San Francisco, as you can see from the cable car behind me. Uh, and I really love what I do. I love building communities, especially in the business context, because I think that's uh, we're at the forefront of how businesses are going to be marketed, how people are going to build connection, and how businesses are going to make an impact. I'm curious to dive into a little bit, like what what inspired you to choose that path, um, like even as you like entered Evernote, right? Because community mm-hmm. now is starting to get, I think, starting to see a lot more investment emerge and this idea around it, but you had this idea of its uh, of its inspirational qualities and like qualities of really helping others understand how to use products best way before what we're seeing today. Yeah, I would say the path chose me rather than me choosing it. I, I started working community because I think I really needed it. My first experiences with community were in the early 2000s when I was actually working as a productivity consultant. And I had my own solo business. I was by myself a lot of the time. It was me with clients. And when I wasn't with clients, I was on my own. And so I searched for other people who were doing this kind of work because I I had no coworkers. And if you can imagine having that for a long time, it can be very lonely. And so I ended up finding an organization called the National Association of Professional Organizers and Productivity Consultants, NAPO. And I ended up becoming very, very involved in this organization. I ended up becoming president of our local chapter and growing the chapter. And all of that really inspired me to to think of like so much is possible when you get a group of people together, so much more than what one person can do on their own. And the power of making those connections matters on so many levels. And so in doing that work that really led me to understand the mechanics and the nuances of how you get people involved, how you get them enrolled in taking action, how you build connections that matter, how you create educational paths and opportunities to really get them excited and keep them around. And that led to a lot of the work that I I did at Evernote, which was centered around similar things, just in a very different context where in working for a business, you're still trying to build connections between people about something that they care about. And in that case, it was Evernote and really find ways to help them understand how to really leverage the tool in their lives and in their work so that it mattered to them. And that is extended, of course, into my work now at Asana, where we're building those sorts of community connections on a really vast global scale with you know 2000 plus members globally being part of our community program. To me, it's really amazing. And it really showcases that even in a world where we have lots of tech at our disposal, people are really choosing to look for ways that they can connect with real life humans on the other side of the screen and, and connect with those people in a way that matters to them, to their work, to their lives and, and how they operate and how they can be better. Oh my gosh, speak it. 
Um, well, can you tell us a bit about a bit more about the Asana community? Yeah, absolutely. So at Asana, we're very customer centric. We really believe in the mission of our company, which is really to help teams around the world thrive by working together better and enable them to work together effortlessly. And so in, in that, when we look underneath the hood, within teams, there are people, individuals, real life humans that are trying to achieve all the goals that they've set out. And so the, the goal of the community team is really to build and foster those connections so that they can achieve their own goals. So when we're looking at the, the biggest iteration of our mission, our longest term goals, it's really about deepening the engagement and connection between Asana and our customers, but really between our customers with each other. They're looking for other people who are in similar roles so that they can understand how are you solving these challenges? What problems are you facing that I can learn from how you're solving them? In addition to the mechanics of how does Asana help strategically build those solutions with them, um, they're also looking for like, hey, person over there that's similar to me in, in my work, how are you doing this thing? And so a lot of our work is fostering that connection between members and each other. So that's the big strategic world. Day-to-day, uh, -day, it's really me helping set the strategy and running these strategic programs with my team. I have an amazing team that helps execute a lot of the vision that we, we come up with together. It's not just me taking things out of my head and saying, let's do this. It's really us together figuring those things out. But on a daily basis, I'm usually working with individual teammates or groups of them to set strategies for engagement opportunities, for recruitment opportunities, for working across teams at Asana for how we're gonna help educate customers on a bigger scale. So day to day, it's, it's a lot of that. I also manage in addition to community, our email lifecycle team. So working with them to figure out how do we make sure that we're leveraging both of these amazing groups that we have, the, the community channel, along with the email channel, how do we intersect them? How do we enhance the work that both teams are doing by grouping the work together? And then finally, a lot of my time, because community is so valuable across the organization, is spent with cross-functional stakeholders who want to learn how they can leverage community, how we can better help their goals, and similarly, how they can work with the community to make sure that we're giving customers what they want and what they need. Yeah, so it sounds like there's so many strategies that both have intersections across them, right? And when you were first embracing a community-based role, did you have any recurring questions that you had to answer for yourself in order to set strategies? So mm -hmm. was of outcome or was there a metric or an approach that took you time and experience to learn and figure out how to get to the answers and solutions that you've implemented across your strategy today? Mm, that's a good question. So I think this is really very depending on the organization that I'm building community for. So as an example, for NAPO, the metric that we were looking for is how many members do we have? Because the sheer number of members was the lifeblood of the organization. Whereas at Asana, we want a lot of members, but we need them to do specific things that indicate that the program is successful. And so the way that I've determined what the metrics we look at at Asana are is really going back to like, what is the purpose of the community program at this company? And that usually is the piece I think that most community leaders miss is they build community for the sake of building community because it's just intuitive that it's a good thing to have. But typically if a company is hiring you and spending money on your salary and dollars towards the function of your program, someone somewhere, some stakeholder has decided that community is there for a reason. And it's our job as community leaders to find out what that reason is. Like, why am I here? 
is probably the number one question that I think most community leaders are afraid to ask, but really need to. What's the purpose of this program? So the, at the beginning, my biggest questions were usually focused on meeting with stakeholders to get clarity from them as to what they were trying to drive via the community program. The very first thing I did, my, I think it was my first or second week at Asana, was to convene a pretty large meeting. I think there were 20 people at the meeting, all stakeholders and leaders at the company, and just get them to brainstorm what community meant to them and what they were looking for from the Asana community that I was tasked with building. And the reason why I got everyone in the room was because I wanted them all to hear the diversity of opinions about what community is and what it should be so that they understand from a very visceral perspective of, oh, this, this can be and do lots of things. And from there, it was my job to distill down what the program that we were creating was actually going to do. And that's my usual approach is like, go on a listening tour from the people who will have input and will care about the work that you're doing so that you have a good sense of what the expectations are. Because from there, you can actually build out a plan that says, I hear that the community program is being asked to do an array of things but here's what we're gonna focus on. These other benefits may come later as ancillary add-ons to the program, but the core things that we're driving towards are this and this, and here's how we will measure them. So it's really important, I think, for all community leaders to understand that, figure out who, who's paying the bill for this thing and what it is that they're looking for. You need to develop your program to make sure that you're meeting those needs. You'll probably meet many others as well. And then as far as metrics go, usually a program that I would lead would include two sets of metrics. There's the program level metrics, which show the health of the program. For instance, how many members we have and how engaged they are in the program. And then there's the business impact metrics that other people would care about. How is the community program affecting retention or engagement with the product or ARR or brand amplification? So it's very important as a community leader to understand that you need to hold both of these things in your mind at the same time because the things that you care about and your team will care about are probably the program level metrics. Like, how's the program doing? But outside of the world of the community, the business cares about other things. So you need to be able to understand and talk about both. Yeah, I love that you're really distilling this question right into the why. Like, you got to know your why both personally and at a team scale and at an organizational scale. Um, I'm curious when you talk about sort of the organizational or business metrics, um, and maybe this is like getting too far into the IP of Asana, but how do you report on, let's say, retention? Like what metrics do you look at to say, hey, we've compared this number and this number, and it looks like the more we invest into community, the more the more people stay stay longer and are more actively engaged? Yeah, so without going into too, too many of the fine level details, what I can say is, make sure that you understand what metrics you wanna track and make sure that you have the ability to track them. And that is often the more challenging part is you can say, I wanna be able to show the difference in retention between accounts that have a community member versus accounts who don't. Great that you want that. Can you look at it? And that is often quite difficult. And so at this point, we're at a pretty robust and mature state of our program. We actually have someone on the analytics team who's dedicated to working with my team, which was an amazing, amazing add-on and will be a total game changer for us long-term. But even if you're just starting out, I think it's important to at least have one or two metrics that you know you can confidently track. 
one probably at least for your program level metrics and at least one for your business level metrics because the trick here is the more you can show that business impact the more resources you will get for your program and so it creates a very virtuous cycle in terms of how i keep my broader stakeholders updated well we use asana asana which should hopefully come as no surprise and i have a, a whole portfolio of work that happens underneath the community umbrella and each month we create an update that everyone who is interested in what's happening with community can see that includes things like changes in membership numbers, engagement, health, along with impact on things like retention, product engagement. And so I wrap it up into one TLDR version of all the things that are happening with community. And I link out from there to a, a very detailed monthly report that goes through each of the pillars within the community program and detailed metrics for each. So depending on the, the depth with which people care about what's happening in the community program, they can get the short version, everything's okay, or they can go all the way into the details. Things are great in this area, we're working on this other area, and here's how it all pans out in the end. So I, I think as community leaders, we need to not be afraid to talk about what's happening in our community other than what I see more often is like, here's a few social posts of people saying how happy they are. You want that, we need that, that's important. And there's so much more that's under the hood there that is worth explaining. Yeah, to dive a little deeper into that, I'm curious if you see specific personas or, or colleagues that love to, to get the full, like beyond the TLDR, right? <clears throat> like product team leaders that are like, this is gold because now I'm hearing feature feedback and I can better prioritize my roadmap. Or is it, you know, marketing teams who are like, hey, did this event that we made resonate well? That's a good question. And I think it, it varies depending on what we're doing in a given month. So one part of our program are live events. We used to do 200 events or so a year in person in the before times. Now we're doing them virtually, but they're a really great way for anyone at Asana who wants to hear what real customers are saying in the moment to kind of peer behind the curtain and, and listen to real life customers. and then. In a, an environment where they're not being controlled in the same sense of like a focus group. There's no, it's not like that, it's more untamed. And so we get a lot of interest from other teams within marketing, product team, customer education, who wanna hear like, what are customers actually saying? What are the words they use? And so we often have lots of guests make cameo appearances uh, at our events for that very reason. And so to answer your question, I think it really depends on what we're doing but we have a lot of interest from teams across Asana. One of the reasons we have interest is because as a team lead, I've taken it upon myself to do a lot of internal PR about here's what's happening with the community program. Hey, other team, here's why it could matter to you. And so I do that both on a broad scale where every month we have the, the report that goes out, but we also do other posts that are a little sexier to broader channels within Asana where we do some of that. Here's pictures of community members, here's what they're saying on social, which is great. But then I also do roadshows periodically to other teams to give them leadership updates on what's happening. Well, I love that. We so often hear about, right, external facing roadshows and um, user meetup group type of roadshows. But I love the idea of an internal roadshow as well, because it does take those types of, this is why it matters to you to continue getting resources and growing that I the, the internal investment for community. The internal uh, roadshow is really, all that matters because those are the people who will buy into your program so that you can do all of the external things. I think the, the usual MO is to anchor on the external things first. And that's great, 
but you really need the internal buy-in. And the more buy-in you have, the more excitement there will be internally about your program. It wasn't really until we started leveraging all of our internal teammates to be part of our program, not just hear about it, but intersect with it and interact with it. That's where we really started seeing people get excited about it. As an example, like on my team, we do a monthly update for our members, usually a webinar where we talk about, here's what's happening in the community and here's what's coming in the product. And we involve the product manager who's actually working on that product to come on the webinar, talk about not just here's this feature, but here's the thinking behind it. Here's why we developed it, how we're developing it. Here's what we'll probably be talking about it externally. So you can get excited as a community member about it. And so it's really finding like, hey, product manager, wouldn't you love to talk to customers about what you're working on? Especially for these teams that are behind the scenes and never get exposure for their work. This is a really amazing opportunity for them. So it's up to me and to my team to really expose those opportunities to these other groups. You framed this so well to me in our past conversations and this idea around building community, there are both sexy and unsexy parts, right? Which I think is super valuable to hear for people who are excited about the role and the responsibility to also offer that grounding um, in, of that excitement in the reality of the day-to-day -day work. Yeah, this is the part they don't tell you when you're gonna do community work. And so folks get ready because I'm gonna break it down for you. Community work is amazing. It's it can be really fun. It can be very invigorating and customer facing and you get a lot of energy from the people that are excited about what you're doing. And to get there, there is a ton of grunt work to make that happen. Grunt work, including doing all of the internal PR and the roadshows and the stakeholder buy-in, which basically that's internal sales. So if you don't like doing that, you're going to be really, really challenged. A lot of the other work is just the day-to-day -day, like, oh, this is a program that involves people from the outside world. It's different than an email marketing where you just send something out and you see the clicks and that's it. If we do a good job on the community side, we send something out to the community and they talk back to us. The conversation continues. And that can be really fun and amazing. And it can be really challenging. If I'm being completely honest, there are some times when the community members may not be happy about a decision that the company has made. And so you have to be ready to navigate really positive conversations and more challenging ones. And then there's all of the logistics. What systems do we put in place? How do we connect them together? How do we distribute the work amongst the team so that people are working on things in tandem rather than overlapping each other? And of course, on our program, we have events. I mentioned we do about 200 of them a year. That is a Herculean lift when it comes to logistics because in the before times we were coordinating venue, food, multiple speakers, it's a lot of work. Even in the virtual world, there's still a lot to know about making sure that all the Zoom links are set up the right way, that all of the registrations, all the registration pages are working A-OK, -okay, that things are translated into the right languages, that all the emails for the marketing have been sent out on time. So I say all of this not to discourage anyone from doing community work. It is great and it's called work for a reason. There's a lot of pieces that you have to make go in order for the show to happen. And by the show, I don't just mean events. I mean the show of the entire community program because all of our work is externally facing and we're representatives of the brand. And I've been really fortunate to work for two really amazing global brands like Evernote, like Asana, where I'm a steward of the brand. My teams are stewards of the brand. And so that all has to be factored in into the work we do. And so making sure that that's a great experience for members, for us, that we're sending something positive out into the world, 
it's all work. It's great work, but don't underestimate what's involved. In the spirit of that, so when you're looking to grow your community team and to bring new folks on board, can you describe some of the qualities or the experience that you look for in potential new team members? Sure. I've been really fortunate, especially at Asana, to have grown a fairly sizable community team across multiple different countries now, which is it's truly amazing and it's a real privilege. The things that I look for I look for people that, of course, are excited about community. I think that's table stakes, but I have to go underneath there to understand if they are really motivated by by what's involved in the business community. I, I look for people who understand that community is both fun and a lift. It's real effort to get there and that they're excited about both parts of it, that they understand that the fun is at the end of the process of doing the work, not fun every single day and nonstop. Also, I, I really like when I talk with people who understand how community fits into the business context, the impact that it can have, how it matters and why, and that they get that community is not just a nice to have for businesses. It's, it's becoming an integral part of how smarter businesses work. And the people who can say to me during the interview process that, that they get that, that's a real differentiator for me. Also, one thing I've noticed about community people, especially ones who are more on the forum side, is that they're, and I'm not trying to generalize, but this has been my experience, they may not actually love working directly with customers. They, there's like this distance that they feel comfortable with. And for the type of programs that we build, especially at Asana, you're going to be working directly with customers all the time, sometimes on a forum where it's a little bit more distanced sometimes in more real time via Slack group, and sometimes in the most immediate way possible at events. And you need to, to like that sort of interaction and be ready to navigate all sorts of interactions that real time engagement with customers might entail. So I, I look for people, people. And then most of all, I look for people who are problem solvers. In the world of community, so much is still unformed and we're basically figuring it out as we go in many ways. There are lots of strategies that are time tested, but there's nothing that works for every single business. And so we're still solving problems that we're finding as we go. And, and I look for people that are interested in being able to see a challenge, dig into it, and then help solve it. And then finally, for me, this is a selfish one. I really am big on public speaking and the ability to do so. Every single person on my team is expected to lead events at some point, no matter their role. And so people who are not afraid of public speaking or willing to learn growth mindset is a skill that I look for. Just as an aside, it's super, super hard to find experienced community professionals who look at community through a marketing lens. I sit on the marketing team and think of community in terms broader than just forums. So I've been fortunate to find folks that think in this more broad scale, uh, but it's been pretty challenging to grow the team and find the right people to make it happen. Yeah, thank you for that breakdown. I think there, there are so many dimensions, right, in the matrices that you that you just pointed out. It's like there's people person, but that also not only means seeing the fun, but having the internal roadshow and bringing people along with you and convincing them with data and doing that grunt work, as well as what I've seen in my own experience, someone who's really willing to close the loop. So that two-way conversation you just had at that event with the person, even if you didn't know the answer, and when you say, I don't know, but I will find the answer for you, you have to then really find the answer and get back to that human. Yep. Um, yeah, it's that extra mile kind of mindset that I think 
you need in order to be a really successful community member. It's, it's like, it's beyond customer service. It's like, I really, I'm thinking about the, the well-being of my community as evidenced by this individual. And I'm, I'm taking the extra steps to make sure that they've had a great experience, including closing the loop. So Asana, let's talk about this global community program uh, that you've built, Asana Together. Um, and it's knowledge resource, the universe scale, Asanaverse, and you built this from the ground up. Can you tell us a bit about how you built Asana together and what were some of the most difficult challenges when building it and that perhaps continue today? And how do you approach solving them? So when I got to Asana, I was lucky in that there's already buy-in that a community program was needed. I realized and recognized that I'm in a different position than someone who is at a company that is trying to spin up a community program where there may not be buy-in. So I was very, very fortunate. But there wasn't recognition of what that would look like. As I mentioned, no one could say exactly what they needed. The plus is that I didn't have to do a ton of selling internally on the value of community. It was already understood because I was hired to create this thing. But there wasn't a, a picture of what people wanted. So the first challenge, as I mentioned before, was really getting stakeholders on the same page so that I could start giving some shape, some form to what this community program could be, what we would create. And so once I had buy-in on the general like size, scale, scope, things that would be in the program, I socialized that amongst the stakeholders, got the buy-in that I wanted, but I had no team and I was really new at Asana. I didn't really know Asana, the product. I didn't know the ins and outs of how it would work. And so I had to basically create a coalition of the willing amongst my coworkers to help me with all the various pieces that I needed to create to build out this program. Like, writing content, helping me figure out the, the tech and tooling that I would be able to implement and how it would intersect with our various systems. Like I, I had to build all of that from scratch and I didn't do it alone. And then from there, we really built out the, the framework for the program. In Asana Together, which is our community program, there are a few pillars. First, there's the membership program, which includes things like ambassadors, which are people who are at companies that use Asana that raise their hand and say, I wanna do more with Asana. So they get resources and they get tools from us to help them be more effective. Then there's certified pros, which are third-party consultants, which want to offer Asana to their own clients. So those are all part of our membership program. Then there's our community event series called the Asana Together World Tour, which as I mentioned before, we do lots of events around the world, both thought leadership and how to use Asana. And then finally, there's the community forum, which is probably the most traditional aspect of our community program but we use it in a slightly different way than, than just solving customer problems. We really leverage it as a marketing channel, as a way to get community members connected to us and to each other. And we have lots of community members that answer questions for people who are learning how to use Asana. So it's still a very community oriented resource, not just something that we use to deflect tickets. And so in building all of this out, I needed a lot of buy-in from other teammates, other teams to help build these things, connect the dots. One thing that I, I will say has been really, really important for me is Asana is a global company. We have customers all around the world. And so in building a community program, it was really important for me to connect with our teams in these different spots so that we could better understand the needs of the customers, no matter where they were, and tailor the community program to meet their needs. As an example, in Japan, I'm really fortunate we were able to hire a community leader for Japan based in Tokyo, and she's really tailored elements of our program to better meet the needs of our local customers, including 
having smaller meetup groups, developing Japan-specific swag because what we'd created globally didn't really resonate. So it's this broad scale of our program that is both awesome and, if I'm being honest, daunting. There's a lot of challenges to solve, but this is what makes the work interesting. And the feedback we get from customers, especially on the local elements, is that they feel really seen. And to me, that's that's how I know I'm, I've done a good job in building out this program is when customers respond and say, like, I really feel like this company, this entity sees me and is developing things that help me feel engaged and part of this. I'm wondering if you talk about those differences between how you've built Asana together and how that's differentiated from a lot of the programs that we see today that are maybe just getting started or nascent or don't have the investment behind them yet. Sure. One, I just want to stress that I, I think it's okay to start with one pillar. You don't have to do this crazy thing that I did, which is all of it all at the same time. That's just how I work in general. It's like I see the big picture and I want to implement it. I think taking a more piecemeal approach is okay, but I, I think in that I, I would stress how important it is to start building with the end in mind. If you're thinking about building this expansive program, maybe you start out with one pillar, but you outline here is what we're laddering up to and here is how it will all intersect one day. And so we have a big program now. It didn't start that way. It took a while for us to get there. It didn't happen overnight. But the way that I designed the program was specifically for growth and scale. That was what I was brought in to do. And so when I laid out the program, I looked for the pillars that would let us scale dramatically without having to scale the team to match it in the same size. So I started out with just me. I have more people now, but we don't have thousands and thousands of people running the community program. It's designed so that one person can pull levers that will affect lots of people. So we've always looked for ways that we can create things that will help the program scale. So for instance, we run our events, which we take full responsibility for. They're staffed by Asanas. But we had a lot of feedback from members asking how they could host their own Asana-themed events with support from us, but they wanted to know how they could do it and, and whether it was okay with us. Yes, it's okay with us. Let's figure out how to best support you in doing that. And so we developed an event lead program where people get training from us. They get templates, tools, and resources, including a guide that we wrote on, here's how to host your first event. And here's different topics that you can use. And here's how we're going to help you promote your event and build the registration pages with you. So really taking what we've built and understanding what members want and how they can grow it themselves, how they can take an active part in leading the charge of this community beyond what we are capable of doing on our own. And this is really interesting to me, especially as a global community, because no matter what we do, our team will never be in all of the languages in all of the places. And so we've seen really interesting events and member activities spun up in places that we don't support because we don't have people there, but we're still helping the members themselves lead the charge which to me, that's a sign of, of a really healthy community. So I'm wondering how, how you find or, or help your team members find and ensure that quality aspect that I think leads to the health of this community that you're talking about, right? Yeah, I, I would say this is a challenge. And, and I would say there's a difference between a reply and a conversation. Mm. On my team, we're, we're looking to foster conversation. And sometimes that means the conversation is between us directly with a community member, especially if they're running into a challenge or have a specific question. But sometimes it means opening up the conversation to the broader group. And so sometimes people will come to us with a question and we'll reply with, ask 
the wisdom of the commons, reply back in our, our private Slack group and see what other people are doing to help solve this problem. Because the more your community grows in number, the more people you will have to respond to and the more you can foster this, I wouldn't say self-service, but community member to community member mindset of like, we're here to help each other, not just Asana is here to help us. Asana is part of the conversation, but we're not the only conversation. The more you can foster that, the easier it will be for your team to scale. One thing I will say though is if someone takes the time to make a post, whether it's on a social media channel or on a forum or in a private Slack group, this is a good sign. It means that they care. So there should be some response to them, especially if, if they're concerned about something or might have a slightly negative comment. That means they really care. And so it's worth it to take the time to figure out how to bring them into a broader conversation so that they feel addressed and that, that you, you're leveraging that conversation for the, the good of all. But you really do have to build it into your team's plan so that there's bandwidth for being responsive and, and being part of the conversation. And I don't mean just responding with canned responses that were pre-written. That's probably okay in a more uh, support-oriented world, but in a true community-oriented world, that just doesn't work. And so you have to have the time to be both responsive and proactive. An example there is we know customers are very passionate about our product. That's what brings them into the community in the first place. So we, we take a, a pretty strategic tack in when we have changes that are coming to the product that we know might be a little bit spicy to people. Not everything is popular with everyone all of the time and that's okay, but we do take the time to let members know in advance of changes that are coming so that they feel like they're an insider. They understand, they may not like everything that's coming, but they understand why. And we've given them advance notice so they feel informed. And they hear from us first, not from you know a report on a website. So it's really about making people feel like they're part of this group, they're part of the family, and that they're, they're getting the peek behind the curtain of, of what's going on in a way that's different than the average customer. So having all of these mechanisms in place is how we scale this, how we scale the, not just the communication, but the feeling of we're part of this thing together. Yeah, that's such a powerful distinction. I love that you made that between a reply and a conversation and they are not one and the same, although uh, conversations require replies. It's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite moments of, of these interviews is that we're super excited at Common Room and at Uncommon to continue Uncommon support, um, which is which helps us embody our belief that uh, a community is strongest when it uplifts one another. And so to that end, we ask each of our experts that we interview to choose a STEM or a tech nonprofit whose cause and mission you really want to highlight and Uncommon will donate in your honor. So Josh, I'm curious if you can tell us a bit about the organization that you and you and Asana chose to dedicate your Uncommon support to. Thank you. First, we really appreciate that. And Asana is a very socially oriented company. We've been very public about all of our stances. And so this is actually a really meaningful opportunity for me to contribute that to that. Uh, so our social focus impact area is really about closing the opportunity gap, especially in tech. And so we're dedicating the uncommon support to Hack the Hood, 
which is a local organization based in Oakland, California, just across the bay, I'm in San Francisco. It's dedicated to connecting young people of color and local small businesses through technology and, and bring them into the world of technology industry. They offer tech training and they create opportunities for people who live in the Bay Area and beyond. And personally, I think the work they're doing is really important because we see this gap every day when we work in tech and they're actually doing the work of, of trying to make a meaningful change there. So I really appreciate Uncommon support in helping to support their mission. Yeah, we at Uncommon are so glad to support with you in partnership Hack the Hood. So really glad to make it in, in your honor. Thank you so much for choosing that and for sharing about their mission with all of us. Thanks, Rebecca. I really appreciate it. And everyone out there, good luck with the communities that you're building.